Good morning, Church on the Hill. How's everybody doing? All right. Well, good to see everybody here. Hey, if you're uh, new, we're so glad to have you. And uh, just want you to know we're all about helping people come to know God, to find freedom, to discover purpose, and to know how to play their role in God's story. And we're all on that journey together, no matter where we're at uh, in that uh, list there. That's what we're about. So a couple things. Uh, There's a comment card right in front of you. Uh, If you can take that up. Uh, take that out and fill that out. We'd love to have some information about you. Um, uh, we just, we've, got, we've got a lot of things that we want to do with your information. So just give it to us, and we're going to do some stuff with it, okay? And, uh, but if you turn it over, um, please fill out your prayer requests and fill out your, uh, your, on that comment card. We want to hear about your praises that you've got, what God's doing in your heart and in your life and your family, and uh, anything that you just need prayer about, we would love to pray for you, Okay. So, uh, what do we got? Life track, uh, step four today. Um, if you've never been to any of the rest of it, ignore step four. Don't even go. It's not even good, okay? If you've never been to step four, today's the day. All right, today's the day. There's lunch and child care provided, and we'll start this again next month. And uh, it's a great way to learn about our church and who we are um, as a denomination and kind of what we do here at Church on the Hill and what makes us unique. So, we'd love for you guys to jump in and see that uh, uh, experience that with us. So, but today we are kicking off our Grace is Greater uh, All Church Journey. It's going to be good. I'm excited about that. Tim's bringing the word today, and we get to hear um, what God is doing and how much He is greater. This grace that He's given us is so much greater than anything we understand. So, um, I hope you guys enjoy it. If you haven't signed up for a little six week life group, sign up out there in the lobby and uh, get involved, and we're going to have a great time, okay? Well, everybody put a big smile on your face. We're going to go back into worship and uh, turn to about five people and give them a fist bump and tell them good morning.
When darkness tries to roll over my bones When sorrow comes to steal the joy I own When brokenness and pain is all I know I won't be shaken I won't be shaken Cause my feet doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love My feet doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love My feet doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love Shame no longer has a place to hide No, no To the lies. Somebody say amen right now. I'm not afraid to leave my past behind. No, I won't be shaken. I won't be shaken. Cause my feet doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My feet doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. Bless the Lord. Four. 
are good. You are good. You are good. When there's nothing good in me, you are love. You are love on display for all to see. You are light. You are light. When the darkness closes in, you are hope. You are hope. You have covered all my sin. Yes, you have. You are peace. You are peace. When my fear is crippling, you are true. You are true. Even in my wandering, you are joy. You are joy. You're the reason that I sing. You are life. You are life. And your death is lost its sting. Yes, it has.
decision, Lord. My heart will sing. I'm calling no other name. Jesus, Jesus, my heart will sing no other name. Jesus, Jesus. Is that your prayer today? I hope so. That's my prayer today. I know there are some times in my life where I do not feel like that's the only name I call. Anybody else have that issue where you feel like other things take your focus? So that's our prayer today, Lord. Jesus, it would be all about you, only about you. But you're the only name, the name above all.
there's not a more beautiful phrase nor a beautiful concept than to build our lives upon the love of God. There's a lot of things in life we can build our, our life on, but I don't think we're going to go wrong with love, right? right? Amen. You're going to have a seat. Well, good morning. My name is uh, Tim English. I get the opportunity to serve as one of your pastors here. And uh, I want to spend uh, this morning kicking off this new series uh, for these next five weeks. Uh, but before we get into it, I wanted to say, how many of you have one of these? A smartphone, right? You know, I, I discovered that this small little handheld device has more than one million times the RAM memory for the techies out there than the, and a thousand or a hundred thousand more processing power than the Apollo 11 space capsule, capsule that landed the first men on the moon. This little thing right here, that's pretty amazing, right? I also discovered I have more than 250 apps loaded on this thing. <laughs> okay? Uh, and uh, 70 of them, I guess I have used in the last couple months. And probably there's about 15 that I use virtually every day in some fashion. But as much as I think I know about this phone and what it can do, every day, what it can do, it's capable of so much more. More than I can imagine, more than I can think of. It's a beautiful, beautiful creation. But as we go into this new series, I want you to think of it kind of like this phone. Because there's a word I want you to act like you've never heard before. A word that has never been defined for you. A word that you're going to look at and listen to and discover, define anew, the word grace. You see, in churches, we throw around the word like grace a lot. We can use it in, in, in small circles and discussion, grace, grace. But do we really know what it is? Do we really know what it is? I think what we might discover, well, first of all, do we even, have we even experienced it? Really, truly experienced the, the awesome, forgiving, life-changing purposes of God's grace. I think we'll find, like this phone, in this next five weeks, that God's grace is more. It's more than we thought it was when we came into the room this morning. And I hope we'll discover and, and, and finish up these five weeks with a greater appreciation of God and his grace to us. Amen? So I'd like to begin, maybe as we kick off this series, just looking at a focal theme verse that kind of sets the parameters for us. So can we get that on the screen? On the screen, the verse that says Hebrews 12, 15, out of the, uh, uh, the NIV, the uh, 1984 uh, version, says it this way. See to it that no one misses the grace of God. See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that really no bitter root 
that causes trouble will rise up and defile many, is how it goes on to say. There's something about the grace of God that gets into our heart, that helps us understand more about who God is. But see to it that no one misses. That means part of my role, part of our our staff role for you is to see that you don't miss the grace of God. Part of the the role for you and, uh, and each other is to see that one another don't miss out on the grace of God. Here, look at some of these other translations of this same verse. Thank you. (laughs) May the Lord's blessing be upon you. (laughs) All right, let's look at some of these other uh, other, uh, translations and how they put this verse. The NLT begins with, look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. ESV, English Standard Version says, see to it that no one... fall short of the grace of God. The NASB, that no one, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. And even the uh, NIV that says, no one, see to it that no one comes short of the grace of God. So all of these put a, a, a responsibility on us. And the Hebrews is really challenging us as the people of God to be responsible for each other be responsible from this platform, be responsible in our groups to see, to look after each other, to ensure that none of us misses the grace of God. And we get the idea, okay, grace, that's kind of good for salvation and eternity. We get that, maybe. But like the cell phone, it is much more. And I hope over the next five weeks, through the devotional guide that's available, through the, uh, the Grace book, uh, and our group discussions, that we come to understand what the more is that God wants us to not miss out on. So today, I want to begin with a theme. That grace is greater than our mistakes. Grace is greater than our mistakes. And if we're going to talk about grace and its power, its forgiveness, its life-changing, transformative purposes, then we need to understand our need for it. Our need for it. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says this, for everyone has sinned and all fall short of God's glorious standard. Now, I don't know if many of you, you know, have studied the ancient languages of the Bible, Greek and the New Testament. And in the Greek, the word for everyone means everyone. Everyone. That's me. I'm going to break out in a dance. <laughs> it's your kids, your family, your neighbor, your coworkers, everyone. Everyone has sinned. Well, what is this sinned? What does it mean, this sinned? Again, this is a wonderful Christian word. 
that sometimes it's helpful to know what it really means. And so to help you understand it, I'm going to use the $60,000 of expertise from Bible college <laughs> and a few internet searches <laughs> to help you know what it, what it means. It comes from the word hamartano, hamartano. And it means this, to miss the mark, to miss the mark. We all get darts or lawn darts or, you know, we all know what it's like, right? right? You shoot, you miss. You don't get the bullseye. It's to miss the mark. It's to err or be mistaken. In our, in our understanding, say, without Christ, we have a sense of maybe what right is wrong is. It's defined by a lot of things. But to sin is to misunderstand, to make an error, to be mistaken in our understanding of, of what right is sometimes. It is to miss or to wander from the path of uprightness and honor, to do or go wrong in our thinking, in our living. And uh, lastly, to wander, just wander from the law of God, to violate God's law. That is what is to sin, or what sin is, is to be uh, mistaken. Again, God's grace is greater than our mistakes. Our errors in the way we perceive life lived out is okay. And we find ourselves having sin because we are violating God's law, whether we necessarily know it or not. The mistake. So do you ever think, I've sinned, but I've not. Sin sinned. Yeah? Yeah, right? Right? At least not like that person or this one over here. Right? We like to compare ourselves. We like to measure our sins against somebody we perceive as worse than us. Right? When we do that, you know what that's called? Sin. Okay, it's pride. Okay, it's maybe thinking more of ourselves than maybe we ought to. But others are not the standard. God's the standard. Others are not the one you'd compare yourself to. We compare ourselves to God's glorious standard because the Bible says here in that verse 323 in Romans that we all fall short of God's glorious standard. So now if we have a sense of maybe this idea of sin and the mistakes, the errors we make in the decisions of how we live out this life that God has given us, then we might also need to understand if it's going to help us. If it's going to help us in our life, we maybe need to understand that and admit that we've done wrong, that we have a sickness, the sickness of sin. Now, when we think of, of, of uh, disease and, and sickness, if you've been paying attention in the news, you've probably heard about this coronavirus that is breaking out all over China, right? Again, this morning, I, I read that uh, they are now 56 confirmed deaths. Hundreds 
hundreds, 800 or more that have been identified having contracted this with a few cases in the U.S., right? This whole quarantine that the Chinese government is beginning is not just with one kid or one school or hospital. It's whole cities. As a matter of fact, they have identified three key cities, a total population of 18 million people. That's four times the population of Oregon. Quarantined. If you see pictures, they're wearing masks. Why? Because this this coronavirus is a serious thing. And it is the same seriousness with which the Bible describes sin in our lives. It's deadly. We are to be quarantined because of the sin in our lives. Because it is killing us. It is killing us, and it's keeping us from the God who loves us and wants to be in relationship with us. So let's look at, well, I want to to back up just a second, because if we have this illness, and we we know that, you know, the coronavirus is is a killer, what does the scripture say to us about our own sin? What are its consequences? And if we look at uh, Romans chapter 6, verse 23, it says this, The wages of sin is death. We've got this sickness of sin. And what we get for it is death. Death certainly to our spirit. That means eternal separation from the God who loves us. But it also brings so much other death in our lives when we live apart from God. The good news is, the backside real quick, is that the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? But when we look at this idea of sin and death and grace and new life, how does this come about? And so Romans chapter 5 and verse 12 is one place where we can see this. It says, when Adam sinned, Sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. We've established everyone. We know who that is. And we know that death is spread. And it began with Adam. So there is no one that has ever lived, that is alive today, that will ever live in the future, that will be without sin. We will all miss the mark. And it separates us from God. But verse 15 in Romans 5 continues. It says, but there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. Hmm, what is it? Well, let me tell you. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace. And his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. Right? Amen. That's worth worth saying amen to. There's a difference. Sin, Adam. 
spread, dead. The grace of God, the wonderful grace of God, brings life through Jesus Christ. It is here in this verse, and certainly others, but here in this passage, that the concept of grace is introduced. Not grace, oh, that's interesting, hmm, but more of God's wonderful. I mean, use whatever uh, adjective, superlative, whatever the proper English is for that, to describe God's grace. It's wonderful. It's awesome. It's amazing. And his grace is greater than our mistakes. How many of you, by a show of hands, consider yourself pretty good with math? All right? I put your hands down. Now, how many of you, not so much? All right. This question is for you, the not so muchers. Okay? So, do you know the difference between these two mathematical signs? Right? The top one is? And the bottom one? Yeah, that's right. And it's here that uh, Paul wants us to begin to understand even greater, even greater than the death, even greater than Adam said, even greater than the curse of sin upon us, even greater than any of it, greater than whatever it happens to be is God's grace. It's a beautiful thing. It's not less than anything. Let that soak in. It's not less than anything. It's greater than. Continue in verse 16. And the result, ooh, ooh, I love the results, of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of one man's sin or that one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation. That's judgment. In God's eternal courtroom, it leads to guilty. Condemnation. But God's free gift, God's grace, leads to our being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. It's the idea in that divine courtroom of God that God declares us not guilty. He, he eradicates, he removes, he sets aside any of our guilt. He places it on Jesus, and therefore we are able to walk not with our heads down in condemnation, but with our heads held high because we are made right with God. See, even before we cleaned up our act, even before we put on our Sunday best and we, you know, you know, slid into church, even before any of it, God's love and grace is available to us. As a matter of fact, the precursor to getting cleaned up is the grace of God. It is the working of God and his grace and his spirit in our lives That brings newness. Verse 17, for the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. 
death rules, the consequence, heading towards eternal separation. This death, this concept, rules over many, rules over those who are without Christ. Still today, rules over them, controls them, sets the tone. But even greater is God's wonderful grace. There's that phrase again. Even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. I don't know. Jesus seems pretty special to me. I mean, he's done some great things, right? Our great God and Savior. Verse 18, yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation before God in life for everyone. But Christ's one act, the work of the cross, Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. It's available. God's grace is greater than our mistakes. Death no longer rules. Christ, by his, by his death, it says in other places of Scripture, Christ's death, resurrection, the work on the cross, breaks the power of sin in our life. Those without Christ ruled. Those with Christ, the power to live differently is ours to apply. This is the gospel. This is the good news of God's grace. You see, conviction of the Holy Spirit in regards to the error, the mistakes of our life, the wandering off the path of righteousness, the conviction with grace, applied, believed, leads to repentance and a right relationship with God and a new life. Second Corinthians puts it this way. This means that anyone, again, if you've not studied Greek, anyone means anyone, who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And because the power of sin and its rule over our life is broken, we can live differently as we live out this life with Christ. All because his grace is greater than our mistakes. But conviction, without the gospel, without grace, received, applied to our lives, leads to condemnation and ultimately separation from God who loves us. Now, you see, I, I, can, I can share some scripture, I can say some things, and I can try to explain some things. I, I can't really explain grace in such a way that maybe you fully understand it. Kind of like, oh, I get it now. Hmm. 
No. As, as well as we can use the scripture and understand it here, it is rather more effective to understand God's grace by experiencing it. By the receiving of God's grace that is greater than our mistakes and living in it and walking in it in, in, in all of its beauty, in all of its glory, for all the things that, have, that we have done, the things that have been done to us, the things we regret, the shame that we feel, the experience of the pain that we're still enduring because of circumstances, God's grace is for all of those things. And when we can experience and say that we've experienced God's grace, we then can say, okay, now I understand it. This intellectually exercise, great. Write it down. Lock it away. But let's experience grace anew. Not only here, but here in these next few weeks. Speaking of stories and experiencing grace, I want to refer to a passage of Scripture. I'm not going to put it on the screen. I'm going to tell you about it. In John chapter 8, first 11 verses. It's a story of a woman caught in adultery. Jesus had come back into the temple and a crowd gathered. He had done some teaching, uh, but a crowd gathered and uh, he sat down and began to, to share some things about the kingdom of God. And as he was speaking, some religious people and some Pharisees drug a woman into the temple area, in front of Jesus and the crowd and said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. Well, we get what that is, right? That's sex with somebody who's not your spouse, right? Matter of fact, sex with anybody, unmarried is also wrong. But this lady was caught in the act of adultery. I don't know where the guy was. Maybe he ran faster. I don't know drags her in front of the crowd and says that, you know, what does the, uh, the, the, the law of Moses say? And what do you say? And Jesus, he got down and he began to just write in the sand, on the ground. And they pressed him more. They pressed him more for an answer. And he got up and he said, okay, any of you who is without sin, you go ahead and do what the law demands and throw the first stone. He got back down on the ground and he began to write. We don't really know what he was writing. Maybe he was writing some of the names of the people right there. Maybe he was writing out just sins that were probably in their lives. But one by one, from the oldest to the youngest, walked away. Then finally Jesus stood up. He turned, he looked at the, at the woman, and he said, woman, where are your accusers? Now I'm assuming while all this is happening, she's probably just waiting for that first stone, Right? She opens his eyes, looks up, and she says, no one. 
And Jesus says, there's no one here to accuse her. He says, well, neither do I. Then he says, and that's the grace. I don't condemn you. Go and live differently. Receive this grace that I am extending and go and sin no more. Again, the power of sin to rule is broken by what Christ did for us. We can go and live differently. We can do that. Are we going to be perfect? Probably not. I mean, I walked with Christ a few years. There's still things in my life that God is still working out. But the power to go and sin no more, the power to go and live differently comes as a result of God's grace to us. Now, this story is a real story. It's a real person who had a real experience with grace. And you and I may not know what all was going on in her, in her life in regards to what led up to that moment where she is caught in this act of adultery. And though this would not be in Scripture, I ask you to kind of entertain me a little bit. Because we would certainly say grace is greater than her sins, than her mistakes. She was caught in the act of adultery. But grace is greater than her shame. The shame as she was forcibly put in front of a group of people and had her sin called out. Maybe we could say that grace is greater than some of her regrets, that she even agreed to have coffee with a man that she met in the marketplace a couple weeks ago, and that led to this. So she regrets that she even said yes to that. Maybe we could say that grace is greater than her brokenness because her husband has been ignoring her for years. We might even say that her grace is greater than her wounds because for all we know, she was told that she was ugly and nobody wanted her her whole life. Maybe we could say that grace is greater than her circumstances because we don't know if she was still mourning the death of someone close to her, a parent. And in her pain, she was weak, and she made decisions. You see, as we look at these things, personalize it, understand that God's grace is greater than your mistakes, than your secret. It could be the things you've done and the shame that you feel and that you have let uh, like identify you it could be the regrets over the choices, the decisions that you've made. It may be the sense of the wounds that you're still carrying from something, from something. It could be just the ongoing pain of circumstances that you're facing. I don't know what it is for you, but understand this, there is no freedom without grace. No freedom from our mistakes, no freedom from our regrets, our wounds, our circumstances, and the pain that we feel from those without the grace of God. Grace is more than we think. It is more. 
It is God's grace that makes healing and freedom possible. God's grace is greater. With that thought, I, I want to take a moment and I want to introduce you to someone. I want to introduce you to a beautiful creation of God who is a, she's a rose. She's a rose in the garden of God's grace. Would you welcome my friend Natasha as she comes to the stage? Thank you. I have asked uh, Natasha to share a little bit of her story with the grace of God with you. As we understand and at least lean in to understand the, the, the greatness and the wonder of God's grace and that he is, in fact, greater than our mistakes. So, Natasha, today I have been talking about mistakes, about sins. And without going through them all, because we don't have time for that, <laughs> we don't have time for yours either. Uh, could you share uh, one, one thought, one mistake that you know separated you from God? Sure. Um, so I have some, but they're all one and the same. So um, I was a tweaker. I was a drug addict. Um, I was a liar. I was a thief. I was a victimizer. And I gave up my rights to be a parent, and I chose a life of crime and drugs um, over my children. Why would God want me now? There wasn't anything good in me. Maybe like Natasha, maybe you have said, maybe you're here today, and you might say, but I'm too far from God. He can't possibly love me. Can you remember, Natasha, who and what was said to you that the Holy Spirit used to say to your heart, God still loves you. So um, there was a series of miracles that happened in my life that just kept happening, and it was impossible for me to not see that it was God. So in June of 2013, I was out of jail on a conditional re release awaiting trial, and I had an 80-month sentence hanging over my head. I got pulled over in someone else's car with no license, no insurance. I had drugs in the car, and my son was with me. If I went to jail, I would have gotten 80 months. I would have been permanently lost for my son, and I would have gotten deeper into my pit, and I would have died. Instead, the officer let me call someone safe, and I was able to go with them. I cannot say that this changed overnight, that this is what made it happen, but it does begin my journey home to God. The second miracle was my willingness to go to a recovery house after I got out of jail in September of 2013, and um, I swore I would never go to that recovery house. And um, so I let go of my pride enough to walk up to the door, and it swings open, and these two beautiful ladies smile with tears in their eyes and tell me, Natasha, we have been praying for you. 
to show up and welcome home. They showed me that God still loved me, even though I couldn't believe it yet. And the last thing that the Holy Spirit used was my cousin. In February of 2016, I had two and a half years clean, and she asked me if I was finally ready to give my life to the God that had saved me. And um, at this point, I was doing service work here at this church, but I wouldn't attend services and I wouldn't come into the sanctuary. I believed that God was there, that he existed, but I didn't have a relationship with him. I couldn't get myself to go all in yet. So when she asked me, I thought about it and how incredible and how amazing that I felt clean and how great my life was getting. So I decided to go all in. I was baptized on February 14th, 2016, and everything changed after that day. I started attending church here, Church on the Hill. I got into some growth groups, and my heart softened. I found a purpose. God is my peace. He just continues to change me and move me, and I'm learning to say yes. And that's actually why she's here. She's saying yes to God. (laughs) Natasha, tell us uh, what you're discovering about the greatness of God's grace for you. So what my testimony shows me is that God's grace is sufficient. His grace covers my past and my future, he restores, he creates, he gives me value, he never, ever fails, and there is never a mistake when I'm with him. Amen, right? Because God's grace is greater than our mistakes. God's grace is greater than our mistakes. So talk to us just, again, briefly today, and maybe to the person in the room Right now, who is thinking, not after this. The person who may be here with us today, who is thinking, not after what I've done. I couldn't. God couldn't. Summarize what you have come to understand about God's grace for us. I just know that, like, I, that's how I felt, right? Like, that's who I was. I wasn't enough. And God said, yes, you are. Yes, you are. And I know that he can and will cover each and every one of you if you just let him. You just have to let him in. Let him in. Would you help me appreciate <laughs> Natasha? I suspect I could take this rose, a beautiful rose, and I could begin and hand it to Jim and say, Jim, just just take a moment, as long as you want, just adore its beauty, smell it, just enjoy it, and then pass it on to Tina. And Tina, if you do the same, and on down the road to David, 
and then it made its way around the rows, and we all handled it and looked at it and gazed and smelled, and, and then it made it all the way around the balcony. And I suspect that at some point it would return to me and would be a little less than best. It may be broken, have a few more petals missing, maybe a little drier and crispier, certainly tattered, and maybe its smell might smell like a Big Mac from McDonald's. <laughs> but less than how it was created. And who would want to buy this rose, right? Who would want to give this rose to someone as an expression of love? But Jesus calls out. I want that rose. Give it to me. Why? Why would he want that rose? Because he created that rose. He loves that rose. He died for that rose. And he wants to give the rose a new life. Today, we can talk about God's grace being greater than our mistakes. But we need to experience the reality, the truth of God's grace in our lives. Because he sees us as roses. Roses that have sometimes been handled by life, a little tattered, smelling funny, right? And he wants to restore new life for us and to have us walk new again. And for someone, maybe some ones in the room today, you need to receive God's grace for the very first time. You may need to rededicate your life to that this morning with an understanding that God's grace is greater. Now, I know you might say and think to yourself, but Tim, you don't, you don't know what I've done. You're right, I don't. But I know that God's grace is greater than our mistakes. So in a moment, the band is going to lead us in a song, and I'm going to ask if you're here and you need to receive, because my challenge from Scripture is to see to it that no one misses the grace of God. And if you need to receive that grace today, we're going to have some prayer friends at these two crosses and those up above. And if you need to know this grace of God, then I'm going to ask you to make your way there and let our friends help you know how to experience and to receive God's grace this morning. Now, that doesn't let the rest of you off because two truths are probably evident here. There's some of you that are tremendously grateful for the grace of God in your life. 
and how you've received the words of Jesus that says, neither do I condemn you. So go and live differently, and you are. Maybe during this time of surrender, you might make your way down front and say, just in celebration, thank you, God, for your wonderful gift of grace. And for others here, you've received God's grace. No question. But you also know there's some lingering things that you carry. Shame, maybe even some regrets. Oh, you know he's forgiven you. Maybe there's pain of circumstances or the brokenness, man, that is all around you. We're going to talk about those things from this stage. It's in our grace book, but also discussing them in our small groups. But maybe this morning, if there are lingering things in your life, maybe you want to take a moment too and start surrendering those to God, asking the Holy Spirit into that pain, into that regret, asking for his grace to be greater there. Because God's grace, say it with me, is greater. Let's worship.
those doors. You can see that there. Now, I wish I could give all of you a rose because you're a beautiful people. You're a beautiful creation with God. And God sees you as a wonder. And the work that he wants to continue in your life is a beautiful thing, a right relationship with the creator is that over these next few weeks we're going to come to appreciate even more the incredible greatness of God's wonderful grace. I would encourage you pick up the free copy of the devotional guide, opportunity to be encouraged daily in some of the, the grace themes. Pick up the book. Uh, it'll help expand some things for you in understanding grace. And if you've not already found your way into a serious small group, there are people out in the, uh, in the lobby who can help answer some questions for you. That being said, as we go, let's remember, let's remember God's grace is great. God bless you. Have a good day.